Welcome into the Four Mandalore Podcast. My name is Nick Ashton, alongside T Bob Abear. I'm so excited to get back to this new episode of The Mandalorian T. I know you are too. Um, let's kind of dive right in. Uh, we kind of get dropped into uh, this orbiting spaceship-like uh, yeah. station where we meet up with uh, a fellow who says he has a new job for Mando. Now, what does that kind of imply, T? What do you think? Um, so obviously, here where we are, we are led to believe that uh, that the Mandalorian he knows this guy that he is dealing with. Um, the music immediately sets the tone. I felt like uh, re- really off the bat. This just the entire setting to me felt so refreshing after going back to Tatooine last time. Like I, I don't, I don't think I realized how badly, uh, how badly I wanted to get back to maybe more sci-fi, or maybe not even more sci-fi. I guess I just really didn't enjoy going back to a desert-like planet again right. at all last episode. And so this episode, you start in this kind of, feels like almost like a seedy chop shop. The music mm-hmm. always give, gives me chop shop vibes. Uh, it's obviously, a, the, the, this guy is a criminal that Mando is talking to, somebody that he has a history with. And just off the bat, from the music, the set design, uh, I was immediately more into this episode, and then you quickly see it's going to be like a heist type episode, mm-hmm. which I love heist stuff in the space. So yeah, uh, from literally from what felt like the first ten seconds, um, I already had a way better feeling about this episode than uh, than 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 kind of the taste that I was left with at the end of the last one. I kind of drew this parallel of uh, when you look at the first person you're introduced to in this episode that's not Mando. Um, first impressions in this episode are a million times better to me than they were in the last episode. Uh, when you're introduced to the lady in the last episode as the first person, she kind of comes off brash, but not necessarily in like a, like an exciting brash way. It's just kind of like an, oh my gosh, like, like what? Like, <laughs> you, you, know, like, you, you did not like the, the Amy Sedaris character did not play well with you. No, I, look, that's not, that's not a dig on her. As no, an dude, no, I it's all good. It's, it's not. not, you No, feel free. I mean, yes, if you can, you, you, you can only do what your instincts are telling you, right? Right. And if you didn't like, it, you didn't like it. No. And, and especially on the second rewatch, I think that kind of reaffirmed my opinion on that. But our introduction to this new character at first was very strong. I thought, I love the way he kind of. Uh, gave a little backstory, so you establish a little street ca- cred with him before yeah. he kind of gives him all these tall orders and stuff. Um, I thought that was great writing to kind of write that in. Uh, so we kind of feel more familiar than we should at, at that early in the episode of it. Um, he kind of introduces them to what's going on, says, hey, I'm going to need you to be you know, the guy who provides the, the vessel, the vehicle, to kind of yeah. pull this heist off. Razor's crest because it's so, uh, it's so old and... Kind of decrepit that, as they say, it's literally off the the New Republic and the Empire radars. It's as close to a ghost ship as uh, as you will find. Which I really enjoy that premise, and I think as we go later on into the episode, you see how that pays off. Um, then we get the introductions to the new characters, um, the new heist gang, if you will, that's going to be joining Mando on this uh, on this journey. And I thought the introduction to the first character, uh, Mayfeld, was very good. Um, I thought Bill kinda, Burr, how about it, dude? dude? Bill Burr was spectacular. Killer performance. Absolutely killer performance in this episode. And, and I like the fact that they went, like, aggressively against giving him any comedic dialogue. A little yeah, bit. I mean, yeah. he, had the, he had the Gungan joke, which was actually pretty great. But it was also a little racist. It felt like, it felt like a joke that somebody makes at a 
party now and maybe it was okay a few years ago right, but then right. you're kind of like oh, i don't know anymore <sighs> like everybody like nobody else kind of laughed in the room yeah yeah, when he yeah, was, yeah i was like what are you gunging yeah. we still want to show my face but it uh i thought i thought that was very in line with kind of who his character was which you, you think bill burke comedian, but he wasn't a comedian he was that was, he was the tough guy right and he did a good tough guy he did a very good tough guy i think he pulled it off excellently um, he reflected the writing very well in his actions. I thought you kind of get the complete character performance out of Bill Burr in this episode. Um, move on to the Deveronian, who is the and, muscle. Yeah, and so the Deveronian, they they essentially uh, just look like devils. And and it's like, it goes back to that original cantina scene where, you know, they're just grabbing whatever costumes they can and kind of yeah. throwing them together in a classic Star Wars fashion. You compared it to the uh, scene on the uh, Star Destroyer where, where uh, Darth Vader brings together all yes. the bounty hunters. We get our first introduction to IG-11, who I feel, as we progress into this series, has had way too little of a role because I thought he was... IG will be back. Intergalactic badass robot. But... um. Moving on, kind of. But but it's, a, it's 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 the same way in that like yes, like when when they're originally designing these characters, they're probably not knowing. And maybe by Empire a bit more, but definitely not New Hope. They weren't thinking that people are going to be so obsessed with the you know with with the the movie that they would want to engage with it in any way they could. And so back in the day when that's the only thing you have, like when you only have a New Hope, of course you're going to dive into it like crazy, and you're going right. to watch as many times as you can, and you're going to break down every character and then and then oh this guy that was just like a one-off will kind of make him look like a devil whatever it's right, like you right. show him for two seconds we got to give it a weird feel now that's an entire race of people the right. deveronians right and that's like it's like dingar yeah it's just like i don't know just wrap some wrap some toilet paper around his head i'll give him like some <laughs> random stuff here or there or like ig's design and now they're all legitimate and they exist and i think that's just to me i really like that um that, that that is very compelling to me about the movie making process. I guess you could say I find that very satisfying that just these little pieces of pieces of concept art, uh, just through like fandom and thinking about them more, they can really take on lives of their of their own. And right. now we got a huge jacked Deveronian. I think that's one of the things that we really missed out on um, in the last episode. Not to kind of keep revisiting it, but I guess to say that. In The Mandalorian, we've been introduced to a lot of things that have been uh, like, kind of put here or put there in the universe. And now we're kind of, as I said when we were watching the episode, you're getting more immersed into the Star Wars universe by seeing them in other places. For yeah. example, the pilot character from um, uh, from Solo, who I believe uh, John Favreau I don't Favreau know his race name. Yeah, John Favreau was the pilot in Solo, yes. So it's kind of cool to see him kind of put his character back in there. And, and my observation that I pointed out when we were watching was that it seems like when you add them back into new content, you really, when you see them and revisit the content that they originally premiered in, it makes it more uh, realistic. It makes it feel like we're really in the universe. We're not just seeing one-off characters that were created just for an effect. Yeah, and, and world building, in my opinion, has always been Star Wars' uh, strongest suit. It's why I got sucked in as a kid originally. It's because they... Like the thing that has always stuck with me is when they're first riding the Falcon in New Hope and they're just like kind of chilling. They'd be like kind of like bored like people would on like a train ride or a car ride. It was nothing fantastic, uh, even though to my eyes it looked fantastic. There's all these different parts and all these different pieces, but to them it was very mundane. And the fact that they weren't like explaining, well, this is how hyperspace works or this is how this works or this is that, this is that. They didn't feel they need to explain everything. They just had the details there. The people right. lived in the world. And obviously, I mean, that's... 
I think pulling that off is a bit more complex than I'm making it sound, but Star Wars has always done it excellently. And now, because they've gotten so big, yeah. The re- like we saw a uh, live-action Lothal cat mm-hmm. earlier this year, and that's they're, they're all over Rebels. We saw uh, Vibroblades, I believe, yes, for the first I lo- time. I loved seeing that. In, uh, in, in live-action as well. So, yeah, The Mandalorian taking advantage of its ability to go a lot of different places. And now let's talk about that real quick because some of the debate that I've seen raging online recently is people arguing that the Mandalorian is a show about nothing. Um, I don't and know then, about that take too. Well, well, know. in terms of like in terms of and and I don't I don't even know if I think that's necessarily wrong, but I but I also think that's kind of what I like about it. it, it and what I mean is they, they compared it to like a Xena or like something along those lines where, you know, it's just here's kind of the formula for the episode. Bam, bam, bam. Go do a job. And next episode. And I'm kind of like, but yeah, that's exactly what it is. He's just a bounty hunter. He's out there trying to make it. And it's like a comic book. It's like he just has a bunch of great adventures. And there will be this kind of through line with Yoda and what's going on with the Mandalorian culture as a whole. And obviously we're willing to engage with that. Maybe the average person isn't but um I, I i've just i guess i've seen people saying it's a show about nothing as a point of criticism but ironically i i think that's kind of one of the strengths because outside of like last episode did feel a little meaningless honestly yeah. but it's, it's just because the main story wasn't that entertaining the adventure right. hook wasn't right. no it wasn't but battling the atst was awesome mm-hmm. Uh, teaming up with the Gina Carano character, right? And fighting the ATST was awesome, right? Love her. Uh, this episode, the the heist with Bill Burr and everything, like it was it was awesome. And we'll get to the action and everything. So I guess I'm okay with it for being a show about nothing as long as it's fun. The adventure, just fun. I just want to have a fun time. I mean, that's what Star Wars is all about. I mean, you look at the uh, the kind of history we have of Star Wars, not, a, not just in the movies, but in the series. A lot of stuff... Um, I don't want to use the word filler, but a lot of stuff isn't really to drive the main plot. You know, there there are some notable side quests. I think the main thing, though, about treating it as a show about nothing, I think that comes from a perspective of what are you getting into the show to watch? We should go back that's, that's um, true. and refer to some points that we illustrated in episode zero. Um, the foremost of which I believe is the idea of currency being destabilized. Yeah, I think that if you don't establish that in canon material... Um, I think you lose a lot of the, the angst and the inner motivation that people have in the First Order. Because you, you'll watch Episode 7 like I did uh, when it first came out and be like, why are we back at this again? Why is this another problem? I think Yes, yeah. That was like when you're, you're talking about Force Awakens, like First Order, everything, like how this all happened. It's like, why? You know, and I think if you, if you lose that aspect of like the inner motivations of the First Order as people. Why are they becoming stormtroopers again? Why are they falling back into this cycle of, of destabilization and, and fragmentation? Y- you need to have some background on that. And I, I think, for one, that's the ma- most major point that we get out of The Mandalorian so far is currency destabilization and seeing how it affects the day-to-day. Not just, oh, we see it in one of the trilogy movies as, as background fillers, yeah. as, as content that kind of just set the, the tone. You see it as a real-life scenario playing out. You're not seeing it explained. I mean, like, well, we've had this currency destabilized, and that's why we want to yeah, outfit no. people in Stormtrooper outfits again and make Captain Phasma silver-plated. Like, we, we wanna, you want to explain, like, why, is, why are people acting like 
a, a an age that we just got out of that was so awful, so well, tyrannical. It's like it's like what you pointed out, which is, uh, and you pointed this out back in maybe like episode one or two, where because everything's so destabilized, that's why. Yeah, in times of economic chaos, that's when a totalitarian can rise, right? You fight because you offer that stability. You offer that security. The first order does. And disgruntled people who are suffering economically will flock to that banner. The thing about this, though, this entire conversation that we just had is built off of just a couple of lines in one of the episode and not that much, right? So it's like we're willing to engage with that. We're willing to nerd out on that level. We want to know, you because of your history with the actual Mandalorian culture and KOTOR and everything, like every piece of, every glimpse into the Mandalorian, you know, beneath the helmet, if you will. Every glimpse means a lot more to you than maybe it does like I can the average that. person, right? I can, I, can, I can absolutely understand the level with where that's coming from. And um, to those who, who, who share that point of view, I understand. You yeah. know, I, I, don't, I don't discount your opinions or your feelings. I just think, um, and, and this is kind of a, a to each their own type perspective event, because you mean, I, I, I could watch an episode of uh, Star Trek, which I'm not familiar with at all, yeah. and say, why are we learning about this small, minute event that has no impact on the actual, you know, r- grand scheme of things? And it I mean, could it be, feels like Star Trek more than it does Star Wars just because of the TV show type of format. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and, and I'm, I'm not going to act like any kind of expert about Star Trek. I don't really know much about it at all, but I, I guess I would frame that as if I'm going to look at their argument from their point of view, that's yeah. how I would approach it. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I can understand that, but yeah. um, I think there are a lot of really uh, minute details that we get in the Mandalorian, not just having a fun space opera adventure, but actually seeing the, the climate of the universe, not just, you know, he goes and chops someone up using a door, yeah. but which is awesome, which is totally cool. But like, we're seeing like, how is the galaxy reacting to a life without the empire? And, and, and because of that, we get an interesting thing where we traditionally think of the New Republic as the quote-unquote good guys. Um, and I guess they are, but I mean, you're breaking into a New Republic uh, prison transport yeah. in this episode. The so perspective like, is being flipped. Yeah, is a very so cool like, thing. so like the, you know, the, the adversaries in the episode are all the droids on the New Republic ship, and sure enough, there's even one human, and you end up killing uh, that, that, Good guy. Rooting against people with the rebel crest on is a very weird feeling. Yeah, exactly. It's something that we're not used to uh, uh, at all yet. Um, okay, so so let's back it up because we got originally sidetracked at the character introductions, and I think it's valuable. And we met. We, yes, no, 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 absolutely. But so I'm saying I want to get back to that. So we right. met Bill Burr. He was great. Um, just immediately kind of understood who he was. Uh, we met the Devronian, who I can't remember his name, the giant muscle guy. Um, again, you understand who he is. I think he literally like growls in Mando's face yeah. and then laughs. <laughs> I thought you were going to be bigger. Yeah. <laughs> and then we met uh, Shion and uh, the female Twi'lek. Or is it Twi'lek? I don't know. Yeah, it's either. Um, and I just, she missed the mark for me. I think we're both kind of in harmony on that point. Yeah. She, it just felt a little too try hard. Kind of felt a little cringy at times. And and it's one of those things where I appreciate it that she really went for it, like character-wise. You know, I guess this is how even the director or her, somebody felt like 
man, this is like really what this character would act like. And you can't say there was an effort. I, yes, yes. <laughs> I, guess I guess that's what I'm saying, right? Like, <laughs> like A for effort. And I like when people go for it. And I want to encourage that sort of stuff. And like, I think like Forrest Whitaker in Rogue One, he really went for a thing yes. with Saul Guerrero's voice. And it was teetering on the edge of not working, but I think it worked for me. She was teetering on the edge of working almost for me. Almost, but then it would be a little too Harley Quinn. And she just, the hissing like, was no, just a little no, too aggressive. No. And so Shion never quite worked out for me. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that one, man. Like, I, I just... I think we, we kind of agreed on this when we were watching the episode. Um, you brought up the Harley Quinn parallel before I did, and I was about to say it right before you did, but I think... Well, actually, my wife, who is sitting next to us editing pictures uh, while we talk about Star Wars, <laughs> um, she pointed out last night when we were watching Mandalorian that uh, that she was like, who's this like, space Harley Quinn? Yeah. I mean, that, that's definitely the vibe they were going for. It was just way too on the nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, at times, you never get a second to take a break from that personality. I mean, like I, I, I get it. Like, like, like. There's <laughs> never, so there's never any actions that she does that say like, I'm not balls to the wall 100 percent of the time. I know, right? Like, like, like the super hunched over like body language and just like tilting her head all the time. And I'm all for owning your character, man. And I yeah. gotta, I gotta say the the actress that played her um, did an excellent job of of trying to really hammer it home. Look, a for effort, like we said, you know, a for effort. Not not, not everything at all. hits. No, but I mean, you you told me this when we were watching the episode. You said, um, what was it that? Uh, you know, people can try hard a lot, but like it really takes the right writing or right. It just it's, it's 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 a it is an, it, it is an imprecise science. It is but like sometimes uh, you can go for it, it pays off. Sometimes yeah, you yeah. Go for it, it it's like I said with Whitaker working out, like it. But but there's no, I don't even know that you can always trace exactly why it works or doesn't work. Like, I mean, other elements that I didn't love, I didn't I. For some reason, her makeup I didn't think was super well done, or even the other Twi'leks, or maybe it was the casting. I mean, the transition her brother from that the... we meet later is not jacked enough. We talked about that, especially case. if you yeah. look at the concept uh-huh. art at the end of the episode. He needed to be more jacked to look cool. He kind of looked, he looked very top heavy. If yeah. you're going to have the Twi'lek, uh, I don't even know what you would call those the, yeah. antenna, the thing. Yeah, like hair, yeah. the dreads, whatever. Like, you got to be big to support that. If you're not, to me, it just looks a little top-heavy. It looks a little awkward. Um, well, and so I, so I guess my overall point is that it can be a – it's an imprecise science for what makes that work or doesn't work. And I always want to encourage people to try. And there's no shame if you try and miss because um, it's better than playing it too boring, I guess. I mean, I like I said, I was on the edge of liking her at times. And uh, I think the concept art hit it so good. And I don't know what yeah. – what, what, the challenge was something got lost in translation a little yeah. bit in the concept art because really everyone in the concept art kind of looks like they did in the episode yeah uh, besides him and i don't really know devron and goatee would have been tight though they I, I yeah out. i saw i i made an observation on that too that was uh <laughs> that would have made that would really completed the like look yes. but um regardless uh i think the the brother gave me more uh mission veo's brother vibes as opposed to like Big is Mission guy. Bayo from Kotor? Yes, yes. Sorry, she's a Twi'lek from Kotor. Um, and once you finally meet him, Griff is his name. Give more Griff vibes than than someone I would see getting locked up by the New Republic for 
for scoundrelly. Well, we see the scars. Like, we see what they're going for. And he, too, is super aggressive. The, the head like was his perfect. Sister Shion. The head and the face were perfect. Yeah. I just don't know if the rest really gelled. He looked a little punchy. And his arms were very defined. I know that sounds weird. I wanted, like, I wanted like some shoulders, but, some buys and tries. I, I am in 100% agreement with that. But I think when you look at the concept art, like, why couldn't we just have gone that right? I mean, he looks perfect in the concept. Right? Yeah. He looks exactly like... And it's like, you know, expect. maybe they wanted to cast somebody that they just really liked. And it just... You think the performance will maybe carry through. And like you said, it's an inexact science. It doesn't always work. Um, I did think, however, that the actor who played him did an excellent job of, of the personality um, and the way he delivered his lines and everything. I, thought, I See, okay, so that is fascinating to point out. Because at first, I did not... Really? But then he ended up landing the plane with me, and I was like, okay, I actually do like this. So I was teetering with him in the same way, and like you, I finished more like, okay, he kind of sold me on this character. What, what sealed it for me was his, um, he's got this personality archetype to where it's like, I'm going to do what I need to do to survive. Yeah. Um, he starts to really nail that when, he, uh, when Mayfeld tells him, like, what about your sister? And he's like, what about her? Yeah. And then yeah. The, the delivery of that line really gives you more insight into who he is as a person. And then what really drove it home to you was the little dialogue between Mando and him. Yeah. I think he really sells it when he's like, he pulls the gun and he realizes, okay, wait, you know, this is, this is messed up. And then he just starts to talk it over with him and be like, hey, like, look, you're not going to get any money if you do this. Like, you got a job to do. You're a man of honor, right? Yep. Like, like, do this. on the, I, That little... It changed. Yeah, it gave it well because they were playing him like such a straight tough guy that you thought maybe he would be a dumbass and try to fight this guy that just like escaped from jail and owned them. But then, then his character would not have landed. No, at all. Thing. So thankfully, they were smart enough to have him be like, you know, like, hey, I should actually uh, not fight this guy right. because we just left him for dead in a jail cell, and within ten minutes. He captured everybody within five minutes. I mean, like he it, captured everybody. The, and put uh, them away. the time dynamic we're working with is probably another side conversation we we should have in a few minutes. Yeah. But um, but that he did it in a a very surprising pace. Yeah. So so we meet all the characters. Uh, we get this great plan about breaking into a space prison. Let's which, talk about Zero real quick. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I forgot we, about we, Zero. You're right. Okay. Round, so round after round. we meet Xi'an, we meet uh, a a droid Zero, and I think last episode. So I don't know why Mando hates droids. Obviously, uh, Mando hates droids because they killed his family, yeah. uh, which I've forgotten about. But yeah, so we meet a droid called Zero. What do you think about Zero? I thought he was um, very good in his personality development. Like he was, um, he's pretty uh, like cold. You know, like the way they want to develop him is is as someone who's like uh, smarter than humans, tougher than humans. And when you see him, kind of you know, be very apathetic towards anything anyone has to say, just getting the job done. He, he executes that very well. Um, and I, on your, on your parallel to, um, to, he comes out talking shit about the razor crest. Though. Yeah. Yeah. He's but, like, this is broken. This sucks. Hyperdrive's only at 60%. He's, was, he comes off as this, like, like if I was man, I'd be like, bitch, watch yourself. Right obnoxious droid who's like i know more than you and everything and i think whoever is in that suit uh and doing the dialogue does a very good job of kind of expanding on that archetype I did mean, we ever figure out when we see that bug-eyed droid because I, i'm almost positive it's like one of the droids running the panel at the at the jawa droid shop i, I would say day. it was it's one of those like i think it's in four whenever um yes. the droids are kind of walking around it's like oh i can't you know, I can't be sold um, to these people when, when C-3PO is talking. I want to say it's in that scene, but I, I tried to look it up. I, I find think he's running the machine that's like 
torturing it looks like the other droids or whatever. It doesn't Oh, matter. is that in Jabba's Palace where the droids getting like torn apart at the four limbs? Because mm, that's I wasn't um, thinking of that. Maybe that's maybe that is what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Maybe that is what I'm thinking of actually. Because that 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 uh scene is very prevalent, not only in its uh feature in Battlefront two, two thousand five, but uh also in the movie you kind of pinpoint that. Okay, maybe I am thinking of that. Um Oh wow, I just got a text of the new Mandalorian episode comes out this Wednesday. Let me check. I have a Is that right? Are they trying to get ahead of Rise of Skywalker for some reason? I have a uh release schedule, so let me check up on that for a second. Uh but yeah, point being Zero is one of those droids and uh he's an expert pilot. I love the graphic um that they have when they're explaining how they're going to attack the prison ship and how they got to go at this crazy angle and that graphic was very cool to kind of and because it was a great mixture of like you know the retro because star wars is retro tech right Right. like that's just but but you're supposed to kind of be in the future right so it was a great way of making it look retro but also clearly explaining like it was it was a good script device to explain how this ship could sneak up on a prison ship and be unnoticed and get away with it. It's because they had to take a pretty crazy path. The Mando says, well, nobody can do that. And uh, Zero says he can't because he's a droid and he's a pilot. And it ends up that he can. It is Wednesday. Oh. Um, also, I wanted to point out, um, I thought that was an excellent point you just made about the tech. Two other uh, examples from this series that I can kind of uh, reference to would be um, episode two, where he is... Uh, on the planet and uses his scope to scan for um yeah. for people along the horizon. Um that was very like making it retro but looking good. Yes. Um also uh the Binox in episode uh yep. was that was five the last one or was this six? Mm, I believe that's correct. The yes. previous episode, uh with old boy. Yeah. Whose name I still can't remember. Toro. Jeez. Rich Rich Boy. Um Toro Finally. Star Wars story. Um <laughs> Toro Star Wars story. Oh my god. Reminds me of those memes where it's like uh Good for him though. That actor got to be in Star Wars, dude. Yeah. No, nah, dude, yeah. if if I was him, I'd be I'd be very happy. Uh, yeah. bless you, Caitlin. Um I think uh <laughs> one I, it, that whole concept of Toro a Star Wars story being like he's got like a 15 minute episode then he's dead reminds me of those memes uh, where they'll take an episode, a scene in Star Wars and replace the dialogue with something that like makes the show end instantly so like for example yes, K- yes. K- KOTOR 2 the first line of the movie is Awaken which you're hearing like a telepathic voice in your head you're in a you're in a Colto uh, tank and then like a voice tells you to awaken and then you like spontaneously wake up and fall on the floor and then you start your adventure. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they replace that text with stay asleep and then <laughs> developed by Obsidian. <laughs> 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 I love those memes so much. Well, no, you could, you could sum up, uh, you could be like, Hey Mando, I'm going on this quest. See you later. That's right. He just goes on his own. Revenge of the Sith would just be Eye of the High Ground, and that's it. Uh, even though I rewatched Phantom, because I'm working through it, I had a ride to Skywalker, and we always forget, Obi-Wan most definitely had nothing even resembling the high ground when he killed Darth Maul. Really? He had the polar opposite of the high ground. He's hanging that's right. in the. That's right. Just, he's hanging in the uh, in the tube. Just got reminded of that scene. And he yep. force flies up and does the flip and yeah. catches Qui Gon's lightsaber at the same time. But yeah, he. I mean, he has a high ground for a split. That's second. how much of a beast Obi Wan is. He doesn't even Love need it. the high ground all the time. Ewan's my boy. Uh, but then again, as we mentioned last episode, Darth Maul being silent never 
said he had the high ground. Unless you say you have the high ground. Important point of distinction. Then it doesn't, then, then it doesn't count. Uh, one thing that I liked about this episode, one thing I like about the series of the whole is, and you see in these last two, is that they are not married to any length for the episode. No. Um, so I think the last one was like 27 minutes. This was what, about 42? Longer. 44, something like this that. Is a longer episode, yeah. Yeah, and, and so I like that because if you have a story to tell, I don't want you to have to pad it out, and I also don't want you to have to cut it too short. So like you, and it makes it hard on a creator sometimes because sometimes operating within that box makes you make decisions that end up being good, like because you'd want to keep this fluff in, but then you just are kind of forced to. You can't. Uh, but if you're a competent, like if you feel very confident in yourself as a storyteller, and I think that Favre and Filoni are absolutely, um, then I like allowing them to be the judge of their quality and saying, you know, what? I think we have. 27 quality minutes here. I think we have 35 quality minutes here. Like, I, I, I love that they're not marrying them to a certain time. In this age of streaming, it makes you wonder how many good series, like legendary series, The Wire, the, um, you know, all those types of legendary TV yeah, any series. any, like, old, like, TV show. Makes you wonder, like, how much better or worse would they have been if they would have had this kind of streaming era time limit, which is really none. Yeah, and I like that you said, or worse, because it could go the opposite direction. Absolutely. You, could, you could. could have guys that just make things too plump and too fat. And I'm not saying this is that, because I have not seen it, but, I mean, there are interesting things like Tarantino, right? He loves to overshoot, and then he cuts away a ton uh, but he's his streaming's been interesting for him because, like, in Glorious Bastards, they ended up releasing a four hour version mm-hmm. they cut into like one hour episodes. So you right. watch on Netflix. So, right. speaking of which, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is out. I'm gonna watch that. I mean, Irishman, but I'm still watching Star Wars. So, I don't know. Um, content Valhalla, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, where we, we feast in Odin's golden halls. So, we move on to the infiltration of the actual ship. Um, going down the hallways, kind of, we get our first interaction where Deveronian, for some extremely strange reason, shoots a cleaning droid. Yeah. I don't um, know why he would do the that. The muscle. He's not the brains, I guess. That's Mouse droid. That's what they're telling us. <coughs> uh, you know, okay, you know what's a shot that, I mean, probably, didn't, whatever, I'm just going to mention it, is Bill Burr, the first shot, when he just ducks his head out real quick. He seemed very competent for some reason. The speed of the move or the smoothness of it, I don't know. It was just... It's very competent. And then we saw these beast-looking, kind of big, black, almost fat, probe-droid-looking guys go down the hall that we'll see later. But uh, I don't know. I thought, I thought it was just a solid opening take by Bill. You, you get off the bat, you get a vibe that he is, uh, he's been around the block. Yes. I think from the yes. first interaction that you get with him, uh, even in the episode. Um, as we see him kind of engage uh, these sentry droids, I thought my first reaction... That whole sequence is Mando does a bad. Well, yeah, okay, so hold on. So sequence. he shoots. So so Devronian shoots a cleaning droid, and then three uh, sentry droids come yeah. up, mm-hmm. and um, these are not like the floating probe droids. They're they're, they're kind of humanoid almost, right, but right. they but they look intense. Like they look mm-hmm. they look like very competent killers. The droids, absolutely, yeah. I mean, and they, and they show that they're really like pinning them down. Yeah, um, they're really in a oh shit situation. Um, what you really get from that scene, though, I thought is. Because when you look back on the on the episode as a whole, the episode is a plot to kill Mando while utilizing his resources for the last time. Yes. So when you see... They went for the greedy double play. Yeah. I, can't, I mean, it's not a terrible idea, but I guess it is a terrible idea because you they underestimate Mando. Which is always a mistake. But then you see uh, 
you see their reaction after Mando does one of the most badass fight sequences. I mean, literally, like, taking a dude's equivalent to intestines out and then just stabbing the other guy with it. It is awesome how gleefully violent the directors can get with droids. Yes, yeah, you pointed that out. Because you ain't doing that with a human in Star Wars. Uh Humans get hit, the wound is cauterized, there's no blood, they drop every now and then. Maybe you get a cut-off limb, but... Man, these droids, Mando cuts off the first one's leg, uses it as a baseball bat. Like you said, rips off a rib and throws that into a head at one point. Uh, he rips off an arm, then uses the gun on the arm and <laughs> like gets a, I mean, a headshot where you see through the it's skull. Like it's perfect circle. It's like one of my favorite shots, but... Uh, but yeah, Mando. The and, shot of them running away with the headshot framing them. Yes, is an awesome shot. I think this episode is definitely a clinic in cinematography. It's uh, uh, get to later. Oh, who, who directed this? Was Fumayama. I can't remember his name, but he's uh, he did he did a great job. Fantastic job. So all all the action though, really, like while we're on the action, all the action was good. That fight yes. scene was excellent with Mando. Um, when he escaped the jail. And he, uh, you, 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 you yeah, really yeah. saw him use his tools this episode. Yes, which I he loved, did. Yeah, uh, yeah, all over the place. But yeah, he uses his. It's not like a grappling hook. Yeah, like cable wire, a little mm-hmm. grappling hook. He uses that, manages to get the robot's arm, flame get thrower. himself out. The flamethrower. The Mexican standoff scene was great. Uh, when Bill Burr killed his round of droids, I thought with his little shoulder gun that was all very effective looking. The big guy, the Devronian, when he took. He takes the big black floating and probe droid looking thing. And I mean, this thing probably looks like it weighs hundreds of pounds. Right. Like 500. And he picks it up, smashes it, and chunks it into another one. Tommy Moffat would like to have a word. Yes, dude. Straight up. So the fight scene with the big guy, with the Devroni and Amando in the control room, just all the action throughout this episode uh, was really well done. Mm-hmm. And really the the thing I wanted to harp on out of that scene was – how you realize it's a setup in hindsight is that even though they've, he's just finished saving all of their lives, you know, all of their lives. And they, they almost make fun of him in like, you know, like, yeah, show no gratitude. They just, you can, we were talking about that. We were like, damn, I've been, I'd be pissed. Yeah. If I just saved them from these droids and then they like bump me on the way by. He killed all of them by himself. Like they, they had no hand in it. I mean, Maybe uh, yeah, Bill Burr didn't want it. Bill Burr stopped uh, Sheehan from helping because, you know, he wanted to. He was doing, to your point, another thing. Now, you could have taken this like he just wanted to see what he could do. But knowing that they're planning to betray him, Burr was really trying to get an idea of, okay, what are we really up against? Mm-hmm. I got to see this guy in action a little bit. And Sheehan, sit down. What are you going to do with that knife? On a, on a on a droid. Well, she like, tries later, and Mando's like, "I have Beskar. I've been blocking bullets this entire episode." Like, <laughs> but like, you know, that's you really a, think this is gonna do it. It's like I don't think she's ever like played with a fork in an electrical socket before. I don't think she knows how <laughs> that metal on electricity ends. Uh, I don't know if she wants to find out. I mean, they're throwing knives, so maybe she could throw it. You know, uh, but I just don't know if that would have ended the best for her. Um, no. Either way, we we see their their attitude, and and they they show how dispensable he is as a character by treating him almost like he was the reason that they got into this mess um after that yeah heading on down the hallway we get to that uh mexican standoff scene with our boy um davin i believe oh um, is wait do we know the name oh because he t- asked yeah, he, yes, asks he asks the name, name. Is, yeah yeah whoever the uh new not new order whoever the uh new republic uh poor human soul is on the boat ends up in a 
pretty intense standoff where like the it was a guy it was so good the allegiances or not allegiances but just kind of the whoever has the upper hand is constantly shifting yeah everybody's yeah. pointing their guns different right. directions the entire time I feel like, like who's on whose team at this point <laughs> like is, is anyone really like fighting for each other in this instance and obviously we find out later no you know no one is no mando's guy at one point like look nobody's gonna kill you bill burr's like what yeah it's like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, you can yeah. escape with your life it's like no he won't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's hilarious uh, his, his humor in this episode is is written so well it is because yes because it's not like hey i'm the funny guy it's like he just has some good funny lines within a, a serious case. And he's so, he's so astounded at the thought that this dude's going to live. He's like, no, he won't. <laughs> yes, like, are you exactly. kidding me? And then Sheehan, uh, well, Sheehan takes care of it. Hey, the knives are good against flesh, though. Uh, yeah, no doubt in that. No doubt in that. Um, and she probably, like, hissed or something afterwards. Uh, and uh, I forgot. Uh, uh, you can write that out. Uh, we, <laughs> we, we don't like that. Uh, so so they, they have the standoff. Uh, but the the main plot, one of the main plot points revealed in this standoff, is that uh, it appears that our friend Gavin or whatever his name was, Davin, Davin has <laughs> um, has some sort of New Republic beacon, yes. like a distress beacon. And when you hit this, apparently, uh, an immediate kind of scramble, like scramble the X wings, of a fight squadron comes to this distress signal. What? This is maybe the one part of the episode besides Sheehan that didn't connect with me is they put a time limit on things and then they didn't seem to respect that time limit. I know that was you and I's biggest discussion point. Yeah. Uh, even throughout the episode was that you see him, uh, and I'll kind of go through the episode here real quick. You see him press the button, yep. rescue the prisoner, Mando gets imprisoned, he gets out of prison, tracks down all four of the respective people, put, rounds them up, puts them in a cell, Walks over to the brother, has a monologue with him, gets him on the ship, drives to the little spaceport, leaves the spaceport, and then the X-Wings show up. And that's supposed to be 20 minutes. And, yeah. then, and then you see, like, when they're walking to go find the prisoner, um, it takes, they said that's five minutes. It's like, you now well, have I would say, minutes. I would say, so I would say even take the return trip out of it, right? Because I'll say, okay, you enter hyperspace, maybe the Republic got them. They're like, oh, they're gone. We got, and then when you get out of hyperspace, track them there. So whatever on the last bit. But yes, to your point, you get like the five-minute countdown. Even that. Even or 10-minute countdown, like, yeah. and, there's, and Mando's still in jail. It's like, it's just, it's, it's, it's to me, if you're going to before do, he tracks down everyone and, and maybe like the writers can sit there and they would say, well, actually, you know, things are happening simultaneously. And if you look at this and there's this, but ultimately I have to be able to arrive there as a viewer on my own. Yeah. And I, and I do like the threat that the tracking device added mm -hmm. because uh, you did need a little something. They were handling it very easily. You needed right. something to give a little stakes. No, that was a very quality roadblock. I just, I just wish that it would have been um, 30 minutes or just, or just do a better job of selling me that that all happened within that 20 minute time limit. We talk, I didn't buy it. We talk about willing suspension of disbelief in star Wars. Um, especially you need to have that if you're going to watch any kind of fiction. Yeah. Um, Cause you need to be able to tell yourself, okay, this could happen. I'm not willing to suspend my disbelief to the extent that that took 20 minutes. Like even like you said, even if I take the the return trip back out of it, I'm still not able to really put the pieces together. And say, oh well, that was yeah, I could see that being 20 minutes because they you have to really fight for it to try to justify that as being 20 minutes. Because they they put a hypothetical distance in between uh, the time it takes to get from the control room yeah. to the prisoner as being five minutes. Then they have the whole exchange. 
and and all this seems to happen, and then Mando gets back to the control room to kill the or capture the Deveronian. Like I don't see that happening in the time span that they they say. It no, does. and then like you said, he rounds them all up and puts them in prison. Even uh, yeah. which they do stay alive, uh, which is important. Um, which seems very un-Mandalorian of me, as I as I told you earlier. Um, I don't know if this. I, I think what it is is a case of Mando really lightening up in terms of his Mandalorian savagery. Yeah, as we were talking about it earlier, I was like, well, you know, I mean, nobody really betrayed him more than the guy who originally brought him on the deal. And then uh, obviously he just thinks the brother's a complete piece of trash. I don't know if he had, but then, but everybody betrayed him actually, right? Like Bill Burr betrayed like, and she every, had, every she had literally yelled, you deserve this as he <laughs> she's running away after they locked him up. So, which yeah, it, and maybe I saw, maybe he is just our, our our Mando's getting a little uh, a little more hesitant to kill unless you're a droid. I saw he will blow your skull off. Oh, he the, he does not care about them at all. I, I saw Ryan Wilson tweet out "F Baby Yoda," and I was like, "Does he do something?" That was before I saw the episode. Does he, does he like betray Mando or some shit? But like, no, it's like he just tweeted that out, and I'm like, wait. Look at it in context. Baby Yoda is the only person in this entire series that is not in some way or another threatened to kill him. Like, really, every person that has come up to him in this series, you know, maybe the mechanic would be an exception. Yeah, Everyone's yeah, tried to kill him. Like, yeah. every new character has had a blaster pointed at him hey, at some man, point. When you live that samurai lifestyle, you got to be ready to throw down at any time. But it's just time. like, geez, after a while, you'd be like, can someone not try to ice me at every turn? Maybe, oh, the bartender man. maybe didn't, but he was still harsh. Everyone's kind of a dick in this world. Like, it, I, but you know, you run in you run in criminal circles. That's what you're gonna get. You're gonna deal with a bunch of dicks. Also, lack of functional money might be an issue. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, there everybody. There's scarce resources. Everybody's a little more desperate. Um, but I love Baby Yoda. He's so, he's so kind. Yeah, obviously, no one no one should ever say f Baby Yoda. Like zero. Was it kind of came out of to. nowhere. I was like, wait, so something must have happened in this episode that like really like. Wait, so who tweeted this? Ryan Wilson. Who's Ryan Wilson? Uh. From the office. Uh, oh, oh, like oh, I always thought his name was Rain. Oh, is it? I don't know. My bad. I apologize, Rain. I don't know is. if it is. I don't know if it is. You talking about Dwight from the office? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh -huh. Whoa, dude. I maybe he was just going for a hot take tweet. Because baby, look the the turn against Baby Yoda is coming, right? You've already seen the turn against the Mandalorian as a show a little bit. Anytime the internet falls in love with something, the exact same cycle happens. You love it. It's all good at first. And then, because no take can ever be left unsaid, uh, eventually the pendulum will swing in the opposite direction and everybody's going to start crapping on it. And you started to see a little bit of that. But like I said, I thought for me this episode was a big return to form. Um, we haven't really mentioned Baby Yoda. Uh, one scene that I really enjoyed was, and, and this fleshed out the Bill Burr character quite nicely, was when they're on the Razor's Crest, they're going to the job and uh they discover baby yoda and you can see burr kind of messing with yoda i think all in service of once again figuring out how the mandalorian works what are his weaknesses he kind of fake drops yoda yeah, to see we'll, if mando we'll reacts test to see his yeah his legit, does he is this like a i i got the feeling that burr is you know a he's once again a hardened criminal he's a he's a professional dick and so he's looking for pressure points if i get into it and i need kind of an upper hand type of thing on Mando. Can I take advantage of this baby? And, and he could have, but you know, he never got the opportunity. Um, so anything more to add on the, the, the time constraints they put on it? I think we summed it up pretty well. I just think, uh, if I want to harp on it again, just to say like, I really wish they would have made it like even 30 would have done way more for me. 
than yeah. 20 did. Because like 20 is like, if I need to get to your house from my house, I'm like, I'll Feels leave. very short. Yeah, 20 like, goes like that. 20, you know, 20 minutes goes by in no time. So um, I can't see my drive here consisting of all those events happening <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> exactly. So, so when... So then let's talk about Baby Yoda because he has that scene with Bill Burr. And then there's also uh, later where Zero looks like he kind of figures out that the guilds, why the guilds after Mando. I think he figures out that Baby Yoda has a bounty on him. Maybe he thinks he's just going to bring him in dead because Zero starts to go quite literally what looks like hunting Baby Yoda. How could you ever do that? That Leave it to a droid. He sees this cute, adorable little Yoda standing there looking around the corner, and the first thing he does is grab a rifle to go kill him. Do you think he can derive that much context from that one small clip, though, of a... Well, I just... uh, Yeah, no. I mean, I assumed that he heard more. I assumed that he heard... Yeah, kind of heard the scuttlebutt. Yeah, Like, like heard, like, the entire message that Carl Weathers sent Mando. Like, you know, bring the package here, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe he was just curious. I don't know. For I'm 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 trying to understand why Zero was immediately just like I'm gonna kill this baby. And the only yeah. thing I came up with is that he's trying to be like super robot pragmatic. Like okay, you know whatever. See a dead or, dead or alive, we'll just go dead. It's easier. Zero one one zero one. You know. And maybe not. Maybe maybe he wouldn't have shot him. But but he had that gun and he was trying to hunt down our little baby Yoda. And baby Yoda wasn't having it. He was about to hit Zero with the Force. Mm-hmm. And then uh, well then Mando got back. Baby Yoda pulls a little Justin Jefferson, like looks at his hands. Like, I love it. Yeah, so he's he's about to like do the force on uh, on on the zero the robot. It looks like, and then the robot blows up, gets blaster shot, and you can he's like, whoa, like what the? Baby Yoda's like, did I just do that? A little cute little three fingered hand, just do that. <laughs> love that. Um, but he did not. I'm trying to think if if there's anything else. We kind of hit. Uh, do you want to talk about the way he captures each of the uh, the four yes. uh, members? Yes. That's kind of where we left it off. Goes in, the in plot. line with just more great action, right? I think uh, that first. I think Devaroni was his first encounter. Um, that was a great kill, dude. When he, I mean, that was just a great fight. It starts with the grappling hook around the neck. The Deveronian so strong he rips Mando through. Rips the, the ceiling tiles rips off. Rips the with ceiling him. Like, tiles like with it wrapped around his neck. Like, come on, man. Like, dude's most OP dude, juggernaut type guy. Like, can't flamethrower to the face. Doesn't mm. matter. He's like, ah, yeah. just laughing. <laughs> that, that, Smoke coming off. That's a great shot. That laugh really like gives you an idea of who he is as a character. I thought just at, that little touch was so great. Um, yeah, uh, he wasted his, uh, what are they, the birds? Yes, birds? I was so upset. It looks like he wasted like eight. Yeah, man. And if, if unless they're just going to automatically refill those, which we don't know if they are, uh, that might be all for his singing bird weapon until he gets more ammo. But those are the most badass in his entire outfit, I thought. Well, they were like what normally, yeah, you, you that could get him out of quite the pickle. Like we saw him take out like four or five stormtroopers. Why did they not that? hone in on him? Like, because they, they just like auto-targeted directly to the stormtroopers. It like, looked like something about how he kind of wrenched his forearm through the targeting off makes sense like as they were being released like the actual you know because they're in his forearm i didn't catch that at first but i'm replaying the scene in my head it it looks like he just kind of like like wrenched it at the right time to kind of make him make him miss he looks quick when mando tries to pull the two guns on him which you know maybe should have shot him to begin with like you said but you know let's Actually, we gotta have a good fight scene, though, dude. <laughs> no, no, no. Mando it's getting like, thrown across the control panels, yeah, like it's sliding like, it's across. It's like an everything. Indiana Jones, where the guy has a sword. Yeah, and then, and then <laughs> he just gets out the gun, which is all, all an all-time cinema scene, in my opinion. And I want to um, say, 
Um, I want to say that uh, that in that in that in scene in Indy, much like in Empire, Harrison Ford improv the "I know" after "I love you." I want to say he had like the flu or something that day, and they're going over the scene. It's supposed to be this big fight, and he's like, "Wait, I have a gun. Why don't I just shoot him?" And Spielberg was like, "Oh wow, yeah, like I actually love that." <laughs> it's like great idea. Do all the extra stuff, and it's like. Psh. Awesome, Harris. Um, yeah, so Mando did not go that route, though. He did get in the fisticuffs, ends up smashing with a door. That was great. Shan feeds fight scene next, right? Uh, I believe so. Let's yeah. just do it. Uh, I mean, she throws a bunch of knives at Mando. He has Beskar armor. One uh, gets which, stuck, though. One hits. One one does hit in the shoulder. It gets between. Uh, a, ooh. His Beskar came through big time this episode. He took about, like, three or four blaster bolts. He took, like, two off of the robots, one off of himself. He shot, like... I think he shot, and then it just was bouncing around yes. the cell and hit him. Um, the It took some shots when he was in the cell trying to get out, I think, when the robot was just kind of like... Yeah, droid, I think it droid took was one, just yeah. like firing, kind of rapid fire into there. Um, and then it took a bunch of knives. So shout out to the Beskar, though. Um, and oh, what is this? I just got a text about Battlefront 2 now. What's all this Star Wars news popping off in the middle of the show? I'm loving it. I did see that they... Uh, Ah, Justin, one of my buddies takes me. So apparently they revamped Battlefront 2 and it's actually a good game now. They did just come out with some Rise of Skywalker stuff. You, you brought that up to me before we started. I thought that was really yeah. interesting. I mean, d- depending on what direction the movie goes, I'm kind of excited to see. Boy, maybe diving into that a little bit. Let's see what this is all about. Um, and then, so she and he just kind of ends up capturing a little run of the mill, a little quick fight. Well, it wasn't, wasn't, too, uh, wasn't too crazy, along with um, the capturing of Mayfeld. But I thought Mayfeld's capture was... Um, Probably the the best illustrated um, in cinematography. Yeah. Also, quick jump back to Sion. Um, I made this remark while we were watching mm, the episode. Yeah. I think the cinematography leading up into that fight does more to establish her personality as a character than any of the dialogue or actions that she does. Yeah, the off kilter angle and in the red, like yeah. that that vibe. I told you it had um, Leviathan vibes yeah. from Kotor One. Um, that whole kind of sequence was was very reminiscent of that. Um, and again, that, that point I just want to establish, I think it does more for her as a character than anything she did or said. Yeah, it's specifically the shot where, like you point out, you're there underneath, it's kind of tilted to the side. It gives her a very predatory feel. Right. That, that underneath shot is what does that. Which, and, at other times, she felt like more like a house cat, like acting like a lion or like you just, a tiger. Most of the time, you're just like, you're just like go away. Like, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> it's like you said, that type of personality like never just like, chills out. No, just, just like, yeah. stop, stop. Just relax. And then you jump right from that into the cinematography of the Mayfeld fight, which it's not really a fight, um, but no, Mayfeld gets like horror movie. No, dude, like really, like the most horror movie esque shot in all of Star Wars. He's got like I the strobe remember. light, and every time it's on, he's a little bit closer, and then he disappears for closer, one. And it's like, oh my god! god. Yeah. And then Mayfeld gets so twisted up that he turns around and he gets got from behind. So love that. Yeah, that was I great. Love that. It was great. And so he has a scene at the end with the brother where they're getting out of there. And like we said, the brother makes a smart choice. He's like, look, you have a job to do. It's to deliver me. Go get paid, right? Mm-hmm. And so he does. And you can see the. Um, I thought I, I liked the kind of. So we go we go back to the chop shop, right? He leaves with the brother. They go back to the chop shop, and I really liked the how the actor who plays the uh who would you call the guy that sends him on the quest this episode the mechanic uh, like, he's not a mechanic i don't know the 
crime boss, whoever he is, like uh, the, the fat, the fat crime boss from the beginning. Swoop Lord Santa. Swoop Lord Santa. Yes. There you go. Perfect. I love how he. Merry Christmas listeners, by the way. I, yeah. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. Hope that you are having a great one. I'm having a great one. And both of my flights last weekend, there was nobody in the middle seat. Uh, that that is the best. So one. I mean, it best was unbelievable. Back to back, and there were not many open seats on either flight. Right. So sometimes we all get smiled on. Um, but I like how he played it, where you know he was not expecting to see Mando get off that ship, and then he does. But he You're plays like, it oh, cool. Okay, you see well, like this a little subtle stress in kind of his body language. But he's got to pull out the 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 secondary plan after he yes. sees him leave. He's like, all right, now go kill him. Because yeah. like he figured like. Oh, he's going to come back. The ship's going to come back. The The crew's going to get off. And they're like, yes, you finally killed him. It's over. And wait, no, it's just... Was him. that one of the droid fighters? Uh, what are they called that he was sending after no, him? No, I don't, I don't think so. It would have been like a General Grievous type fighter. Um, but it, it was red. I've never seen one like it well, before. Well, that's what I'm saying. It looked like to me, like, what are those called? Well, they're not Valkyries. Not the, um, no, they're not Vultures. No, because Vulture droids are the other ones. So you don't wait. You think there was a human piloting that ship that was going to go after Manda? Which one? The one that they were sending out. No, he was going to get in that ship. Oh, you thought he was going to get in it? Well, he says go kill him. So I mean, I'm he's talking to him. See, so. I thought, I thought, I thought that it was a, uh, I thought that it was a droid ship. No, there was definitely a a cockpit. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll have to. I, either way, either way, they were going to betray Mando, but Mando with the classic doubles cross stuck. The tracker on the brother turned him in. And the best part about that is that we saw our first X-Wings in the Mandalorian. This ship that you fall in love with when you see it for the first time as a little kid with its beautiful, cool X setup and its four guns and the wings going to attack position. attack position. Yes, dude. You point out exactly. they hadn't upgraded yet, too, which is a uh, Yeah, we, so we're seven years after the Empire, but this is not Force Awakens T-70 X-Wings. These still are the uh, the T-65 models, and they do some work. Oh, blow, dude. Up, blow up old boy. So. It's like not a drop of sweat on the brow. Justice like. is served. You tried to betray Mando. You paid him. And you got God. Love it. The Mando comes out on top in a big way. Very fun episode. Like I said, great adventure. The action was spectacular. I was so happy. A, a good taking advantage again of the sci-fi setting. You can do a lot of different things, right? And and this was this was something different, and I and I enjoyed that. One of the things um, I think uh, one of my last thoughts um, on on themes in this episode. Uh, I kind of brought up earlier that seeing Mando imprison these people, um, and, you know, the, the people who are going to betray him, yeah. instead of killing them, um, I, I pointed that out as being a very non-Mandalorian motif uh, yeah. as a tribe, as a people, as a clan. Um, he could have killed them and been within his rights because, you know, they betrayed him. Exactly. And, and I, I, think, I, I, think we, I think we pointed this out earlier. It's kind of like an example of him softening up since he started uh, this, this series. But, I think so. Um, I did want to point out, however, when you see that, and I only saw this when we rewatched it, so I'm very glad we did get a chance to rewatch it. But the Deveronians' horns have been severed off. Yeah. Which I I think that's an extremely Mandalorian thing to do to like strip the pride and honor from the person you conquer and like 
render them identityless. Like oh wait, wait. So, very... so I just took that as that's because the doors crushed him. Because because remember he gets crushed from above with the door, and then he gets crushed in the front. You think that Mando sat there and cut his horns off? Yeah, I, I do. I do. <laughs> I, I, I do. <laughs> that, that's crazy. Just because that's exactly what a Mandalorian would do. Hell yeah, dude. They'd have him in have him in the whip. You can hang him from the windshield mm-hmm. on the razor's razor's crest, right? Razor crest. Razor crest. No, I, I just I I know we don't get actual visual confirmation of that, but um, No, hell yeah, dude. I, I do think that's what happened. So um anything else as we wrap up this episode of the Four Mandalore podcast? A return to form. You know, a return uh, to, to dominance. Uh we we back, baby, we back. Um yeah, big time. Although the series may be five and one, the score is six and zero. Um, the score is undefeated. Uh, we love yes. we love that. We love the little the little slight changes they make every week to fit the dynamic, fit the episode. Um, are beautiful. Um, again, the this this like machine feeling sci fi synthy stuff they were in with really off the bat. The theme and like the chop shop, like the intergalactic. You say that you said that earlier. Criminal I thought that was trap. A great point. It just yeah. it immediately makes me feel like I'm there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I think I pointed this out uh, when we were watching together. Uh, he doesn't change any of the, the actual physical rhythmic motifs in the score. He just changes the timbre. Yeah. You know, he just changes the sound, the instrument that plays it. Um, I love that. I love the uh, score. I'll keep saying this every episode until it's not true, but the score is undefeated. Ludwig Gunderson or something? Gunderson. Gunderson? Gunderson? I'm sorry, Ludwig, for butchering your name. Ludwig Gunderson. You are an so excellent good. composer. An Shout excellent out to composer. you. composer. Yeah. I don't even know what accent I'm supposed to be doing. It's time for us to go. Nick, take us out. Thank you so much again for listening to this episode of the Four Mandalore Podcast. I'm so lucky and fortunate. Wait, time out. Sorry, sorry. Wait, one more thing. One more thing. Sorry. Uh, Prediction for next episode. Do you think we go back to kind of main storyline? Now that we this is an important thing that we should definitely touch on. Do we think we stick with the kind of adventure to by adventure setup? Um, they've really been striking us lately as you know side quest esque episodes. We only have, I want to say we only two. have two episodes left. So that really, yeah, we do. So I'm thinking seven's a side quest and eight's a return to form that leaves you on a cliffhanger. I would, um, oh, you think seven's a side See, I, I kind of am seeing a, you know, Filoni loves a good two-parter. Really? He loved a good two-parter back in Clone Wars and, and, and Rebels. Might uh, this be a strategy to where he sets you up on a two-parter that you start on Wednesday and have to wait over oof. a week? To get to the next Friday episode, so the buzz builds Maybe and builds they release and builds it on and Christmas builds. or something. I don't know. I don't know. Well, no, it's um, it's slated to be December twenty seventh. Oh, okay. So, so it is a Friday. you're gonna wait from the eighteenth to the twenty seventh to figure out what happens after I this episode. Why, why they, I don't know. I don't. I mean, whatever. Disney knows they have some math equation that told them like to maximize profits. You must release episode seven on Wednesday. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> wait, the uh, so wait, oh, here we go. There he is. There he is right there. That was a Mickey from my iWatch. Um, oh, man. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm, I'm going to make my call, and I'm going to say we're going to get a two-parter that pushes forward the kind of main thrust storyline. Even though I agree with that more, I'll stick to my initial argument so that we can have a little friendly uh, yeah. debate on what the next episode's plot will be. We would love to hear from you as well if you have any ideas on what the next episode's going to be like, or if you have any response to any of our takes or any theories of your own, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, for Mandalore Podcast at gmail.com. Yep. At For Mandalore Pod on Twitter. For Mandalore Podcast on Facebook. We are so thankful to have you guys listening to us. Thank you for joining us again on another analysis of The Mandalorian. Um, I am Nick Ashen. He is T-Bob Hebert. Um, just want to say 
I finished up my stint on OTB, which is where yeah. me and T Bob yeah. met. And I, I said in that that final episode um, how thankful I was to to be able to be a part of this and. And you, my four Mandalore friends, are no exception. So thank you so much for uh, allowing us to give us, give you our Star Wars takes. Um, and we would, again, love to hear from you. Um, we appreciate the ratings. We appreciate the reviews. Anything you have to say is going to help us out. Um, we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Four Mandalore Podcast. Four Mandalore.